Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You heard it here. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't you love how the next verse that is read to you is the one from Psalm 47, verse 1. Alleluia! Clap your hands, all peoples! Shout to God with loud songs of joy. If we really receive the gospel message, as you just heard it read, in that verse there from Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Clap your hands, all you peoples! Are we too Lutheran? Come on, it's okay! Rejoice! You know, sometimes that's kind of how I feel in the morning. Especially after community day, I'm tired. And I hear something as good as this, that the free gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life. But my body is tired, I'm aching, I'm sore. And I can't rejoice. But that's where we're wrong. We can rejoice. We can clap our hands. We can be excited. When the people of old were rescued from their enemies, when they had finished their battles of combat, when they had been delivered across the Red Sea from the hand of Pharaoh, do you want to know what they did? They sang. They were excited. They were free. If you don't believe that you've ever been enslaved to anything, if you don't believe that you're oppressed by your sins, if you've never felt the weight of God's law upon your back, if you've never felt crushed by God so much that your bones were broken, as David has said in the Psalms, if you've never felt that weight, then perhaps you won't rejoice. You won't rejoice at those words. Because those words are the words of liberty, of freedom. Every time you hear those words, you should think in your mind that you have been raised with Christ. You have been given the free gift of eternal life. God has taken you who were dead, laying by the side of the road, unable to help yourself in your sins. And he has picked you up. He has placed his healing balm upon you. He has delivered you into this place, this church, this congregation, this family, this community of believers that rejoice with one another when one sinner comes and repents of their sin. He has delivered you to this place so that you can rejoice together in the eternal life that you have in Christ Jesus. What were you getting before? What were you getting before when you served sin? God is not the author of sin. God is not the one responsible for sin. God is not the author of death. God created life. And if you didn't believe it, the church, in its wisdom, in these past 70 or so years, just 
gave to us this text from Genesis to remind us. You may not know this, but there weren't Old Testament readings read at every church service for the last 2,000 years. That's actually something newish around 70 years or so ago. But look which Old Testament reading was chosen. The text from Genesis chapter 2. God did not create death and did not purpose you for death. God breathed the breath of life into Adam. God is always the author of life, the giver of life. God is compassionate. He is merciful. He is kind and loving. But what are we? Look at what happens if you go forward in Genesis. Transgress the law of God written into nature. We go against the will of God written into nature, into creation. We do the very thing that God has said not to do. And from Adam, we have all received that sin. It infects us all. And because we have sin, there is the wages of sin which also follows, which is death. That is what you are working toward when you give yourself over into sin. When faced with those two options in life, whether to go through with whatever you know is wrong or to turn away from it, and you go through with it, what are you earning? Death. That's all that can come from that. You know, for the Christian, though, I think it's even worse. Because you've already died once in baptism. You have already died to that sin, as you learned last week, that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. And so when the Christian starts down that pathway towards sinning, it's an entrapment. It's a foothold of the devil in your life. He wants to lead you back toward death. He wants to lead you away from Christ because the only place that the Christian is safe is eternal life. Where's the in? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christ Jesus, our Lord, is our Savior. Without Christ Jesus, our Lord, you're not protected. Your salvation is not secure. You must believe in Christ. That is the gospel. God gives you that faith. But this is why I say it's worse for the Christian to start down that pathway of sin without remorse, without repentance, to be hardened in their sin. Because that faith will not survive forever. It becomes weaker. Faith looks to God's law. It looks at the law, which certainly does accuse us, but shows us our sin so that we repent. But the law of God is also good in another way, that it shows us the wonderful things that we can do in this life, those good works that God has prepared in advance that we should walk in them. You know, like honoring your father and mother, honoring authorities, 
living in chastity, not giving ourselves over into gluttony or things which abuse our bodies, nor drunkenness or addictions of any kind, or slander or gossip or covetousness. These things that God has set apart here in the law of God are also for our good, that we know what to look for, that we stay away from those things and do the opposite. But for the Christian, when you go down that road of sin, it starts eating away at the faith. Little nibble here, a nibble, a little nibble there. Until eventually, it's like if you've ever gone fishing. I take my boys up to my parents' house, sometimes over to Buell Park, and we go fishing for those little sunfish. And they say, Dad, I'll put the worm on. I say, okay, fine, you put the worm on. And they put the worm on, they thread it on the hook as best they can, and they put it down. And you watch the bobber go, just a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. But the fish is never on the hook yet. And they pull it up and they say, Dad, where'd my worm go? It was gone. In just a little bit of nibbles. That's how it is for the Christian life. Sin takes a little nibble here and a little nibble there until eventually what was once a Christian is now an unbeliever. We come back to church. We start our week off in church because we see how sin has nibbled away at the faith all week long. We see how distracted we've become with our own base pleasures that we know are against God's word. We know we haven't lived as if God has mattered most. We've lived as if we matter most. We haven't always loved our neighbors as ourselves. But for these reasons, we come back to church and humbly implore God to bring us forgiveness, to restore us again to the joy, to the rejoicing that sin has taken away from us. Because that's what sin does. It takes away from us joy. The joy that Christ Jesus gives to us. But here you will find again that renewed joy. Because today again, week after week, you will hear exactly what you need to hear. That it is the gospel the good news that Jesus came to us to save us from our sins. That God came from on high and took the body of a man in order to take upon himself all your sins. Live perfectly according to the law which we so much struggle to do. Jesus lived perfectly so that there was not one sin that could condemn him in order that he could take every sin of yours upon himself so that he could give to you a most perfect gift, the gift of eternal life. 
the devil wants to take away from you. To keep taking and taking and taking until you are so empty, so brought to despair and hopelessness that you give up, you throw in the towel, or you just go off into the world and live a crazy, horrible, evil, and wicked lifestyle. That's what he wants to see. He wants you to go away from Christ. But Jesus is here. He takes only those things which are destroying you. He takes away from you your sin first. Then he leads you on the path of sanctification. That's different from justification. Justification is your sins are forgiven, you are declared righteous, you have eternal life in Christ. That is a here and that's a now, that's a given. Sanctification is the life of the Christian that we set ourselves apart or God sets us apart and makes us holy by teaching us the word, those things which we once maybe delighted in, we are now ashamed of. We wouldn't be caught dead doing those things anymore. That's sanctification. God changing us through the word. You see, God doesn't need you to make him your promise, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do this. I promise God I'm going to do this. Because guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall. You're going to falter. Rather than make God promises, pray to God and ask him for his grace to do better. Pray to God and take more from God. Take from God his forgiveness and rejoice. Take from God his grace and be strengthened in your walk as a Christian. Take from God every week that holy gospel and place it deep in your heart to remind you that God has promised you his protection, his safety, his strength, his consolation, his love. His mercy, His compassion. Take more from God. That is what He wants. He wants you to have everything you need in this life to persevere in the faith, to share this message of joy to bring those clapping hands and those smiling faces and those laughs that I heard just moments ago into all this world which has nothing really of joy to offer. But that portion of joy that I saw from you earlier, the beginning of this sermon, that's what I want to see every week when you hear this joyful gospel message. And you know what? When the week is too hard or there's so much sorrow in your life that you cannot rejoice, when it's too much to bear, the cross that you're carrying or the pains of those loved ones you have buried, when you cannot rejoice, we gather together as a family 
so that you can hear those joyful shouts and those clapping hands and remember that while you are filled with sorrow, God will turn that sorrow into joy at his good pleasure. And so just as once Martin Luther said of his young daughter when she died, he said, until I can bring myself to that area, or God, really, bring myself to that joy and rejoicing in the eternal life in Christ that I know is true, he said, you rejoice for me. And that's what we're going to do. Today we are going to rejoice in the gift of eternal life, which is the free gift of God for all who believe in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.